Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. To go ice fishing on Saturday, and <laughs> it was the most activity I've ever seen in the ice hole. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been ice fishing twice, let it be known. This second time. <laughs> I'm still losing it, I'm sorry. Ice hole. <laughs> okay, we got to go to our friend's ice shack. <laughs> Pike came multiple times. We saw eight large fish. I don't think it was. It was pike. It was not a jackfish. Well, yeah, but I think it was. They called it pike. But anyways, on the last fish, I'm we not saw, starting off on the brand of fish that it was. <laughs> okay, on the last fish we saw, they really liked the lure I had, and I managed to get a bite and reel him up. We brought him all the way up onto the boards and. He ate the lure and swam away. Mm. And so somebody is going to catch a fish and get a brand new lure. <laughs> um, but it was so nice that our friend was able to invite us out there. And yeah, it was a great day. And like, honestly, I just love doing all the Canadian things. So like ice fishing up on that bucket list. Mm-hmm. I also attended and your uh, energy for it higher than mine, for sure. I was, <laughs> I was there for the visits. We, we love that ice hole. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I feel like kind of awkward telling my what's up now after we just had like a whole laugh sesh. But um, honestly, I've been feeling pretty down lately. <laughs> Don't mean to laugh about it. I was talking to some colleagues and independently several different people came up to me and they were saying like, why? Like everything feels so draining right now. Like I just feel like blah. And then... Bell Let's Talk is this week also, which then reminded me, okay, like Blue Monday, um, it's something that I've like been hearing a lot and it usually falls on the third, uh, Monday of January. January. Yeah. And it just tends to be like the highest recorded day for most people to have like a low mood due to a couple different things like um, holiday kind of hangover, financial stuff from the holidays, like you just went all big and out during Christmas and then... Like, it's hard to transition. It's dark It's still. dark. Yeah, we're still, like, in the throes of winter. Um, so it's just, like, feels kind of, like, dragging everything out. And I'll be honest, like, I'm definitely feeling that. It's not the worst, and it's not, like, the bad lows that I usually get. It just feels a little bit, like, going through the motions more than, like, am I really, like, feeling and living? Or I just feel like, okay, I'm kind of just stuck in that cog and machine kind of feel. And I know it'll lift out eventually, but... It's also kind of like a blah time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it really helps um, when you talk about your ice hole. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're going to message me tomorrow and be like, good morning. How's my ice hole? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, beautiful. The ice hole was massive. Okay, stop. (laughs) 
I've never seen something bigger than that. Okay. <laughs> My eye soul has never got more action. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what you said. Yeah. It did get a lot of action. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this week, we have Linda on our podcast. Yes. We know her through Amy. We. I just met her. <laughs> <laughs> well, Linda is married to my cousin. Okay. Which I then referred to her as my cousin mm-hmm. as well. Super cool. Linda is, not only do her and I bond over sex in the city and fashion and high-end fashion, um, she's a brainiac for food Mm -hmm. and she actually is a doctor too she's a phd so we dive in with her to talk a little more about food science and technology but she had a plethora of knowledge and Mm -hmm. honestly we could have probably talked to her for hours oh goodness yeah great speaker yeah like just scratched the surface i felt a little bit like that kind of passion spark when i learned something new in university and i'm like oh my gosh like someone opening a door to something i don't really know a lot about and that's how i felt yeah gateway like opens up the conversation further for other people if you're interested um she even was willing to share her email address Mm -hmm. if people wanted to have more conversations about that so we'll be sure to include that in the description for sure and cc us we want to know what's yeah i want to know what's what's going on what conversations around food you're having yeah (laughs) tune in and that's what's up we are so excited to welcome Dr. Linda Ho, who is a who has her doctorate in food science and technology. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Linda. Not only is she a hockey mom, but she's also a fashionista and full-time Tamagotchi carer for herself by crushing all the pedometer steps so we can relate. We were just talking all about that today. We're excited to have you on our podcast today. Well, thank you. We want to ask you, what is the most small town thing about you, Linda? For me, I personally think that my small town thing about me is uh, how I like to have community. Community is really important to me. So I love to get to know my neighbors, which is really generally not something that you see in a lot of cities, especially in condo living. So I know all my neighbors. I pester them. We give each other sugar, eggs whenever we need to. I also (laughs) have like I've been on a couple of boards and I kind of know my hockey community. Like it's like a family. So it's really cool. And my school community, because I've been on a lot of boards there. So I know all the parents and everything. And so I think community is really important. I think that's a very small town thing that I am glad to have transplanted into the city. So beautiful. That is. That's my favorite part of being in a small town. Yeah. And like to see you cultivate that is awesome. Living in Edmonton, but still being able to like own community in the city which is really good and I think people aspire to that too Mm -hmm. so that's awesome for sure because I think a lot of times we sort of just go on on our merry way and we don't get to know people around us and you know know their stories I love knowing people's stories which is why I love podcasts because you get to Mm -hmm. you know you get to hear their stories but even just get to hear people's stories in real life and getting to know your actual neighbors it gives you sort of an understanding of who they are right and who you're living with and kind of nice you know it's like I can tell that you two are related in some way because who else likes to talk to everyone make friends with everyone and make connections (laughs) this gal (laughs) always well everywhere I go it's like my I love learning about people's stories and like I'm guaranteed to make a friend along the way um Linda I was so excited to have you on today because I instantly thought about you in this question what's the most small town thing about you so during my parents 30th wedding anniversary um, we held it at this cabin, a log cabin out kind of by Rimby area. 
and I invited obviously all my mom's extended family and you came from the city and I remember you coming in I, I told people like you're 8k down this gravel road and when you came in you were like that is the most gravel I've ever driven on it's so true, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yeah um, no I'm and then and then I realized like I'm so used to driving on gravel I've never thought about it so all of my mom's side of the family that was from the city they were like oh my gosh that was so much gravel to drive on and I was like it was only like 8k and everyone's like I can't believe like I had to take my car I hope my car is okay everyone was super worried coming from the city so I realized I had driven on a ton of gravel roads yeah and that's the most small town thing about me <laughs> Alex <laughs> that's true. I love that that's a great connection um, <laughs> I was thinking about this and so um I had my students outside last week and we were playing outside in the snow and I had a student go take a pee outside <laughs> and um, that was a first in my career but then every teacher that I told I was like oh my gosh like I had a student like go pee on a tree outside every single one of them were like is he a farm kid and I was <laughs> like yes <laughs> so are they just a boy though? Because my kids will do that. Yeah, that's your true. kids will do that in the city. Yeah, no, because like, if you can't find a washroom, and especially with COVID, you can't yeah. go into the schools or whatever. So if they need to go, there's a tree yeah. right there. We're so excited to talk a little bit more about food, food science, even the safety behind food today. But Linda, can you explain what you did your doctorate in? Sure. So my initial degree was in the sciences, and then I got a food science degree. And food science is really cool because it takes all the sciences and relates it to food. So you've cool. got like chemistry, which is like flavor mm -hmm. chemistry. Some people go into like perfumery. There is um, food safety. So any of the recalls that you see, processing and engineering. But what I did mine mainly on was food safety. So I looked at um, meat microbiology. And so that's my expertise. I know a lot about meat mm. and I know a lot about bacteria and I know a lot mm -hmm. about the bacteria that's in meat and I know how to either kill it, prevent it, or let it be. But my PhD was mainly on um, preventing spoilage in meat. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And um, what are you doing with it in your work now? I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the fun thing um, about food scientists is that you can – because you have that basis yeah. of like the biochemistry and physics of it, you can, it's really broad spectrum. So now mm -hmm. I actually, I've pivoted and I work in the area of plant protein mm -hmm. and doing a lot of product development there. And so plant protein is so different from animal protein, obviously. And it, it's been um, a learning experience and it's been a challenge, but it's been fascinating because it's such an, a growing and exploding field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do a lot. So right now I do quality uh, of plant protein, but I also do product development. So I'm looking at vegan foods, vegetarian type foods, you know, for the flexitarians out there or the omnivores is like, I, it, it's a rebranding, right? So it's, we're all omnivores, but they're, they market it to flexitarians because that's the new sexy term. Gotcha. Yeah. Look at us. Trendy. I know. It's a spectrum, right? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm fitting that category already, like flexitarian. Like I do meatless Mondays. Like I try and exactly. do one meal without animal proteins. Well, why don't we start with my favorite coined phrase, meat busting. Yeah. <laughs> what is it about meat that you would want people to know? I actually really love meat. 
there are problems with meat, but there's problems with everything, right? Mm -hmm. There's problems with overconsumption of everything. So the thing is, if you actually look at all the recalls, most of the recalls are actually with vegetables and fruit. <laughs> and oh. the biggest reason for that is because we don't always cook our vegetables and fruit. We right. cook meat. And so when you cook meat, you kill the bacteria. Another thing that I think is interesting is that, you know, people think that meat in itself is all when it's contaminated it's contaminated all the way all the way through steaks are actually sterile inside okay. so that's why you can eat it rare like that's oh. why you can eat it bloody rare because if you just sear the top that's where all the contamination is okay unless you're eating um steaks that are what they call mechanically um tenderized so that's when mm -hmm. they punch like little needles in it yeah so you actually have to look at the package the package will actually tell you if meats are mechanically tenderized mm. oh yeah one thing i do though find is that grass-fed beef tastes much better okay than say like corn finished and another thing i think that is a massive massive uh myth is that meat has hormones in it it doesn't like when they talk about hormone free beef yeah. all beef is hormone free that so, I did not big know. Big F and wow. lie. <laughs> so okay. yeah, so it's you heard you know, it here first, people. <laughs> yeah. So it's yes, they do use growth hormones. Yes, that does happen. But by the time the meat actually gets to the consumer, all those hormones there's a finishing period where they're they take the animal off of those hormones, and it's no longer there. It's the same with antibiotics. There is no antibiotics in your milk. There is no antibiotics in your meat. Mm -hmm. It is not a thing. So okay. I really get frustrated when I see marketing that says, you know, be my beef is antibiotic and hormone free. Yeah. It's all antibiotic okay. and hormone free. Okay. So that's a big so, one. As wow. consumers, how can we discern like what is being used as a marketing scheme to us over like what we know is right? Like, for example, how you're saying like organic versus not how can we kind of parse through that to figure out this is like a scheme and this is where it's just fine either way kind of thing? For the most part, I don't know. I don't love organic anything. I think the term organic is really funny because organic to me just means that it's carbon-based and everything's carbon-based, right. right? So to me, I think organic is always a scam <laughs> personally, but some people do find a difference. So I'm all about choice. If you want to mm -hmm. eat it, great. If you don't want to eat it, that's up to you. Um, GMO free. Mm -hmm. I love me a GMO, but people are worried about it because they don't understand it. It's genetically modified, modified yes. organisms. Yeah. Organisms. And I guess I hear all about it all the time and people are like, I don't have GMO or I do, but non-GMO, everything's non-GMO, yeah. right? And yeah. really what GMOs to me is, it's like targeted breeding. So we breed our plants to be resistant to drought we breed our like our animals to have bigger like for chickens to have bigger breasts because we love mm -hmm. that lean breast meat and we breed like we breed our pork mm -hmm. so that they don't have a psc which is like pale soft exudate so they don't get stressed and then you get like really gross meat at the end so we breed mm -hmm. all of our animals to 
perform. For, the yeah, best. to perform how we mm-hmm. want them to perform, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same with fruits and vegetables. Like we breed our fruits and vegetables the same way so that they're either resistant to certain diseases or resistant to certain crops. But I think the bigger problem is like when we when we have to when there's like monoclone, now this is getting really like deep, deep into the science, but mm-hmm. when you have a monoculture and so something like a banana, there's only the one type of banana and it's so susceptible to disease that mm-hmm. it's a big issue. But with GMOs, mm-hmm. like I think there is a place for them mm-hmm. and for, for people to kind of maybe research, they should look at golden rice. Mm-hmm. It's like a GMO. So it's targeted where they made the rice have more vitamin A to prevent blindness. And so this is really important for places where there is less vitamin A. So like in India, it's actually quite Mm -hmm. important, right? Or um, flavor saver tomatoes, where they like GMO the tomatoes so it keeps its juicy, juicy flavor for longer. Because tomatoes kind of like, they rot pretty quick, right? Yeah. Um, So I think there's a place for them. It's, it's like working smarter, right? Right. Like yeah. Instead of trying to like crossbreed things, you just yeah. target it. Well, so. it's good to hear it from a food scientist. Like it, I feel a lot more reassured because I already know that about farmers. Like they even take certain cattle that they want to reproduce and carry on. So they do that naturally already. So we're doing this in society already. And it's just a way of maintaining it with food, right? Yes. Yeah. that. Which leads me to our next question. As a consumer, how can we be more sustainable with food? I think the best way to be sustainable is the choices that we make. So the choices that we make, either the Meatless Monday is a great start because plants up a lot less resources than animals do. It takes so much more water and so much more feed to produce one kg of protein. I think it takes like seven kgs of like plants to get mm-hmm. one kg of mm. meat protein, yeah, right? And so it's a lot of input just to get meat. That's one way to be sustainable is to eat more vegetables, eat more um, plant-based type foods. And even with like the amount of processing that we have to do for like a Beyond Meat or a, an Impossible Burger, it's still actually less input in terms of energy and water. Mm-hmm including the tr- the shipping back and forth for the ingredients <laughs> than a cow is, which is, mm-hmm. which is kind of bonkers. The other way I think to be really, really sustainable is actually to eat seasonally because then we're not shipping, you know, these fantastic, delicious tropical fruits during the summer and the winter, right? So if you eat more seasonally, it's better and to eat more locally. Mm-hmm. So like I said, get to know your farmers uh, initiative that has it's called open farm days mm-hmm. and it's always in august and you can actually visit the farms cool. which is fantastic i make my own i yeah. literally just find local people that will allow me to liability to come and <laughs> put get put to work and i absolutely love it yeah and sometimes i find farmers through other people like brothers of farmers and i'll buy like a quarter of a cow or like mm-hmm. or we'll go in on like a cow Right. Nice. So and it tastes better. You know where that farm is. You meet the kids. Yes. The kids are hilarious. Like 4-H. Yeah. Love 4-H. Those kids are so fun. And they're like, look, look how tasty Pop-Tart is. And I'm like, that's <laughs> amazing. And I love you, child. Right. Because they understand. 
they understand where that food is coming from and they understand the amount of work that's been put into that food, yeah. right? And that love and that care. Local and seasonal to me is the best way to be sustainable. The best way. That's really cool. The seasonal part. Like I feel like local like is a really big thing in small towns because we, we also see it more, <laughs> right? You see farmers and you see that need. Seasonal. Mm-hmm. I'm probably bad for that. I'm a big fruit eater. Yeah, now, Alex. Alex always wants the a... bougie fruit too, <laughs> and like the dead of winter. I'm like, we can't get mangoes, and Alex is like, yes, we can. I bought four mangoes yeah. this week, and I'm like, and those strawberries are like nine dollars. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, and I, I am the person that buys those. Yeah. Oh I mean, God. but that's okay. I, like you do. You do small things. You do incremental things. Yeah. We're not asking you, everyone, to be perfect. Right. That's why even like the meatless Mondays once a month. Yeah. It's better than nothing. Right. Yeah. right. It's better than nothing. But yeah. I have maybe like another food faux pas that I do. And now I'm like really embarrassed to say it, but I'm going to say it. And you can tell me if it's a bad thing or not. But <laughs> I don't wash my fruit ever. Is that bad? Can I guess the answer, Linda, before you give it? I'm going to say. You see my face, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it's kind of a gross thing, Alex, because of fertilizers and animals and even the transport of your from like a truck to the store. That's disgusting. My thing also, wash your fruit, because I see people handling all that fruit store and I'm like, ew. You squeeze the fruit. Like people squeeze the fruit, right? (laughs) Like I still still live in a pandemic, Alex. I highly suggest you wash your fruit because there is a lot of there's a lot of dirt. Yes. And dirt carries bacteria. <laughs> cantaloupe. Like, people don't think to wash cantaloupe and honeydew. There is salmonella and listeria outside of that. You scrub that sucker. We have to use a special fruit and vegetable scrubber. scrubber it's yeah, for the my, finger, my finger fits in. <laughs> yeah. You do now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go get Alex one after this. <laughs> yeah, But maybe your immune system is really great. I don't know. Some yeah. people swear by unpasteurized milk. Okay, so this is a really city thing of me. I had to get some um, milk from a cow to do like uh, a, ca- a protease test to show people how like what what is uh, we added a diet and you can see whether or not it's pasteurized or unpasteurized. And when the milk came out of the cow, I was like, it's warm. Like, why? <laughs> and then I realized I was like, well, it's coming from a body that, that's yeah. 37 but I was like ew like <laughs> yeah. it's warm what is up with this so it's it's such a it's a very city thing it's a very like non-farm kid thing to not know that it's yeah it makes sense yeah. that it would be warm coming from a cow <laughs> but like that <laughs> makes sense like because we are so displaced from where our food comes from like you don't think oh, yeah. about that um yeah. speaking of milk not milks versus milk is the production very different also like is that a way for sustainability or not so better much? or worse yeah uh, the problem with milk is that what people don't understand is that you have to get the cow pregnant right mm-hmm. and then you have all of these other these baby cows and what do they do to them they're like veal right mm-hmm. like that they're not even fed their mom's milk and so it's it becomes almost an ethical issue i mm-hmm. think for some people I don't think it's as sustainable, personally, because you have to keep the cow pregnant. Like, it pleats yeah. their bones. Like, you see the, the, the dairy cow at the end of their life. It's really kind of sad. 
Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I really love butter and I really like cheese. So I don't, it, it's, it's kind of. Yeah, a hard like moral. Yeah. It's more of a moral thing, I think, for most people than it is mm-hmm. a sustainability thing. But I think dairy lobby is really strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah. how, that's how we got the two, two cups of milk. Mm-hmm. and stuff into the food guide like years ago right so um, i don't that's I a don't tough eat question, a lot though. of dairy myself i find no, i no. get i i'm actually kind of turned off from yeah. dairy a lot of the time i don't know it doesn't sit well with me i'm not lactose or anything but oh i, I am are you oh <laughs> yeah, okay yeah. but i love my kids love it I also think that there's been a really bizarre thing that's happened in the past with milk in our society. Like I remember being a kid growing up and having like a milk program in our school. We no longer have those kind of programs, but it was really, really pushed that Mm -hmm. we drink milk on a daily, regular basis. And you were rewarded for that behavior Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Milk charts were a real thing. And now like, I'm like, whatever happened to that? Or did people just wake up and they were like mm. milk is like getting canceled I yeah it's the lobbyists <laughs> like it was the lobbyists back in the day right mm-hmm. so like the Cana- okay this is a fun thing the canadian food guide i don't know if you've seen the most recent one have you seen it where it's we like, usually get them at school and stuff yeah, yeah. The, the most recent one where there's like um just like half a plate is like veggies yes. and then like the meat the protein portion it includes alternative proteins this is the first food guide that hasn't had a lot of influence. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's there's no there's like no beef lobby, there's no dairy lobby, there's no grain lobby. Nobody. It's yeah. all technically considered science based. So cool. this is the okay. first one. It is and, 2022. Like <laughs> it's yeah, insane, right? But it's also the only one that's not prescriptive either. So it's the only one that doesn't say that like you need this many servings of whatever. So it's it's very divisive. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about it because that's not really my purview. But I do know that it's the first one without lobbyists going and having right. input. So it's really interesting. So you're saying look at the guide. It's probably more accurate, would you it say? Could be, but there's no prescriptive. Okay. So how do you know how many but servings also, that you're supposed to eat, right? That- and how many- is that prescriptive language kind of also so variable on individuals too? Like I, I think, yep. yeah. I and then, like, yeah, then you go into BMIs and that's another kerfuffle yeah. thing. So talk to your dietitian. <laughs> talk to a dietitian. Absolutely. I think like with food, one of the things that is hard is that like we, we all need food and we all need to fuel ourselves we also live in a society where it's like marketed to us so much mm-hmm. so like I think people get overwhelmed with with everything with with diet culture with organic mm-hmm. with sustainability like all all of this stuff coming at us and then it's hard to discern like what I need base what I forget is that science changes mm-hmm. science changes so much and we need to and this this is across all fields sometimes what we know has changed mm-hmm. right and so we need to be mindful that, like, just because we knew something before doesn't necessarily mean that, like, it's going to be, like, for a long time, people were like, cholesterol is bad, cholesterol is bad, cholesterol is bad, don't eat eggs, mm-hmm. right? Now we find oh, out. No. I'm eating eggs every day. Yeah, no, I love <laughs> eggs. Me um, too. It's like the perfect protein, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're finding out that, like, our body actually makes way more cholesterol, than what's even found in our diet. And actually our dietary cholesterol has no effect 
on our actual cholesterol. The only people that actually have to be really concerned are those who already have naturally high cholesterol due to genetics, mm -hmm. right? The other thing was like for a long time, I think fat was bad. Like everything was like low fat, low fat, mm -hmm. right? And now we're finding it's maybe sugar, carbs that are actually the bigger issue than fat. Maybe the refined sugars are the issue, right? Mm -hmm. So having less of those refined sugars and having more whole grain, right? I think we need to look at things a lot more holistically, but that's also something that I don't know a ton about because I don't know a lot about nutrition. I tend mm -hmm. to know more about the food aspect and like how things kind of work together in terms of like what the science says. It's ever changing and people, people like to cling on to what they used to know. Yes. Right. And not be adaptive and open to, Hey, science changes the whole point of science is to prove ourselves wrong mm -hmm. and people don't realize that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's really difficult sometimes to say, Hey, but this used to be this and this used to be that. Like another big thing is vitamin D. Like I, I need to go find the paper, but from what my understanding is the initial studies that were done on vitamin D had a massive calculation error. And so like, the dietary amount of vitamin D that we're actually allowed to have is actually significantly higher. And most of us are probably deficient. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I thought that was really fascinating because I was like, Oh, dang it. I should be taking more of this. Right? <laughs> so. I'm dropping it in my everyday drinks. I'm yeah. not going to lie. So probably it's a good yeah. idea too. Yeah. yeah. So science changes, what we know changes and we should be open. I Any biggest takeaway you'd want them to know about food? I think with food, it, it's so personal, right? It's so personal. So I think you need to not be so divisive and not be like, hey, my way or no way, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to be vegan, great. You know, if you want to be vegetarian, fantastic. If you want to be a flexitarian, cool, right? I think ultimately what I, I want people to know is where does your food come from? Get to know your, get to know your farmers. Mm -hmm. Know those people because they can tell you so much about that process. Food is just something that should be enjoyed. It shouldn't be something that we should worry so much about in terms of calories or whatever. Just enjoy what you want to enjoy. Enjoy it in moderation and, and eat locally when possible. Don't beat yourself up if you can't do everything perfectly. But wash your fruit, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> yes. wash your fruit. Don't wash your meat. That just spreads germs. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Linda. We loved having you a part of our conversation today. Hopefully, if there's any ever ever any questions, don't hesitate to send them to me. I can always email them because yeah. sometimes I find it's after show time. Let's dive in and talk a little more. What was your takeaway with Linda Ho? Okay, I feel like I have to say my main takeaway is I will start washing my fruit. Yes, thank God. <laughs> so that was your biggest takeaway, you're going to wash your fruit. Oh, I was saying that for the comedy. <laughs> you're like, at jokes, I'm not going to ever, so. <laughs> I just like to put a nice little joke in there. Um, Actually, there were some parts, like, well, that when we were talking to Linda after the show, how she was talking about, like, social justice issues around food, and she was like, that's like yeah. a whole other thing um how she brought up quinoa and how that's become like a really like buzz popularized yes dish. food yeah. but um a lot of societies depend on that 
for sustainability yes and um we have like the luxury and the privilege to have all these foods all these seasonal fruits it does exploit people in other areas yeah absolutely like thinking about sustainability and food i think i'm very invested into as well but i never thought about the markets of which we are taking this from and how that impacts them Mm -hmm. and the supply and demand of it And I ask a lot of questions. And one of the things I learned too is about the supply and demand chain of having to meet a certain quota and producing or yielding a certain amount. And then what they do with the stuff that they don't no longer need. And it's a, it's a way of protecting, but they dispose of it because they are not legally allowed to sell it. And Mm -hmm. I honestly had such a hard time gulping with that. And so I think there's a lot of changes or modifications that companies and organizations can kind of look at or what you can do with food waste. overproducing so that there is no such thing as food waste. We, I think like yeah. not having a waste or just having to dispose of something that could be used. And I'd be curious to have that conversation with a farmer too. What do you do with all those additional mm-hmm. production? I have a question for you. Sure. Do you know what a freegan is? Ye- is this a... Oh, yes. It's people who get things for free and live off the supply of free food yes yes have you ever met a freegan i've only watched like youtube videos documentaries <laughs> okay, things like that yeah. i've only done a deep dive i've only done a deep dive <laughs> on the world wide web but yeah. so when i worked at a philosophy camp for children there was a, a freegan um and he was from new york and this is where i first learned about this and he would actually lead tours in New York because New York doesn't have alleyways to throw their trash out back so they bag up their trash and yeah yeah, it's just you would just like bag up yesterday's bagels and put them on the street and then he would like lead groups of people to go and get the the free food he also would do that in Edmonton while he was staying there I have maybe not as easy though because we have Um, dumpster systems so lots of like the chain restaurants actually like crush all their food that's waste but not the smaller individual shops shops. um so there was a couple places he would go in edmonton and we like would eat cake like bakeries and stuff he would this is the worst though what i just remembered so we were walking on white Ave. he also did not believe in shoes so he's shoeless we're walking. There's a slice of pizza on the ground. Are there bites out of it? Yes. Did he pick it up and eat it? Also, yes. Okay, first off, the shoe sustainability. <laughs> you cannot go barefoot in Canada all year round. No, it was summer. But what about winter? I He's don't gotta be I don't shoes. I don't keep in touch with He's this freaking from New York. Okay. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> But also, I'm kind of here for, I'm like a huge person, like I hate food wasting. Mm-hmm. I absolutely hate it. Would, would you eat food out of a dumpster? Because you're really, you won't even eat a piece of food off of my plate. Or your floor if you drop it. <laughs> like That's true. Okay. <laughs> I would. I would, but I'd be a lot more selective. I think I would be the person like, you know, a lot more, like I, I would curate the certain shops I would go to. You would eat out of a dumpster, but you won't eat off of my plate. <laughs> That's my takeaway. Okay, but let's come back to my takeaways. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're just sidetracking here. I was really impressed with the myth or meat busting mm-hmm. that Linda could give us about meat being sterile. Mm. I thought that was super cool. And it kind of made me feel uh, less bad because I buy a lot of meat that is nearing its end of life. 
And I'm like, this should be fine. I'll fry it up. It's It'll be fine. I'm going to cook it in this dish or whatever. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it always has been. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of neat about the meat busting. It was neat about the meat. Neat about the meat. Um, I also loved her shout out to farmers. and Yes. Actually, we, that's what I wanted to say too. But I'm not going to steal your thunder, so continue. <laughs> the shout out to the farmers was really important because I think it helps us as people who are digesting the food understand our food where it comes from and how it's produced packaged everything it it builds a whole more a whole embodiment of questions that Mm -hmm. we have for where is our food coming how is it being produced and how is it going to reach my table in front of me Mm -hmm. and so that whole food the farm to table idea is really brought in by having conversations with your local farmers and she highlighted that really well yeah well, thanks again to Linda. That was really good. Yeah, we really enjoyed our time with her. Mm-hmm. Jar of questions! You ready for the spicy jar of questions, Amy? I am ready. What movie was your sexual awakening? My sexual awakening? I would say, um, for me, I remember watching this movie in 1990. It's when it came out, Problem Child. There was one scene where it's like a hetero couple and they get kind of like handsy with each other. I'd have to rewatch the movie, but it was like the first time where I was like, whoa, that and also in Annie. (laughs) Do you remember like Rooster and his like fraudulent wife? They also get kind of like handsy with each other. And I was just like, oh, like those were just like brief little like scenes yeah but the 90s movies were all about like that aggressive like gropey nature (laughs) so those would be the sexual awakening times interesting yeah annie and problem child i love the annie (laughs) one (laughs) um okay for me i was thinking about like when was i watching a movie that like i felt kind of a little bit like almost ashamed for watching it in the sense that like you know you where you're like whoa and i had that feeling and i was like I didn't think I should have it because it was a movie called Stick It with a bunch of girls in gymnastics. Like, I loved watching it because I was obsessed with the main character. Like, I, like, the scene with her in the ice bathtub, like, lives (laughs) in my brain. (laughs) And I did not realize that until, like, much later in my life that I was like, mm-hmm. I was watching it not for the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you were telling everyone, this is such I was a great like, plot. Mm, like, it's just, we love the plot. <laughs> we love the, the near nudity. Of I'm going to have to watch Stick It. I've never watched it. I have it on DVD. Let's watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll give you some alone time at some oh of those scenes. Oh my God, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> we turn it to you all. Yes, we turn it to you all. What movie was your sexual awakening? And I literally can't wait to hear this. This is so fun. It'd be really neat for the write-ins. How many of you love Annie? <laughs> <laughs>